you know, recent years, we, we've got a lot better at not just, uh, you know, detecting stars that could have life-sustaining planets around them, but actually being able to detect exoplanets. And it's quite fascinating, you know, what we're able to detect and the possibility that we could even go further. So the possibility that we could zero in on some of these planets and possibly detect signs of life. There's some fascinating new research published last week in Nature, kind of flipping that around in, a, in an interesting way. Are there planets out there that could be watching us? What are the good candidates for star systems and then potentially planets uh, that would be able to maybe catch a glimpse of Earth or perhaps able to listen in? Planets where someone like the movie Contact, uh, that, that perhaps our signals, our broadcasts may have uh, already reached. And so this study zeroes in on a total of 29 really good potential exoplanet candidates. But uh, more broadly than that, I mean, there could be more. There's about 2,000 stars out there uh, that could have planets, that could have life on them, that could have some interest or knowledge of us. So joining us to talk more about the, this research is the uh, author, lead author uh, of the study, as mentioned, published uh, in the journal Nature. Uh, Dr. Lisa Kaltenegger is uh, associate professor, director of the Carl Sagan Institute, the Department of Astronomy at Cornell University. Dr. Kaltenegger, thanks for joining us here this morning. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. So talk a bit about the approach then you, you took on this study, because as I say, we've sort of been learning more about our ability to detect other planets, but that idea of sort of reversing it and looking at uh, planets that could be watching us. Exactly. So basically, we are looking at planets, and most of them, about 70%, we actually found because by chance, we look at the star the right way, that when the planet goes around the star, it blocks part of that hot stellar surface from our view. So it goes through our line of sight to the planet. So for just about a couple of hours, the star is a little bit less bright than it should be. And I was wondering, but you know, if we are looking that way to find planets and then when the planet is in front of the star, so to say, from our viewpoint, part of the light of the star actually filters through the air of the planet. And as you just said, that's what we're going to use now with the launch of the James Webb Space Telescope later this year to connect enough light from these planets to figure out if there are signs of life like oxygen and methane in the air of these worlds. And so I was wondering if, and that's a big if, there's mm -hmm. life out there, if they just had our level of technology, for whom would we be the aliens? Right. So how do you go about answering that question? And so it's basically geometry, right? So you have the, the sun, you have our own planet, and you see, okay, who's just at the right cosmic front seat to see the Earth block light from the sun? And when you don't want to go too far out because things get dimmer the further away you are, like with a candle or something. So basically we said, okay, we're going to limit ourselves to about 300 light years. So the time light needs to travel is 300 years to the outermost stars. Then there are 2,000 of these stars, and all of those could have planets. We don't know yet, but statistically, the NASA Kepler mission has told us that every other star has at least a planet. It could be a Jupiter, Saturn, or an Earth. And mm -hmm. every fourth star has a planet at the right distance, not too hot, not too cold, and small enough to be a rock. And so in this 2,000 stars, we should have about 500 potential planets like ours. And the question was like, 
what would they see if they looked our way? And if they just had our kind of technology, they would know we're there if they were curious enough to look, and they would see oxygen built up since about 2 billion years in our atmosphere. So I hope there's life in the universe, and I hope if they're out there and seeing us, they are rooting for us. Yes, indeed. Uh, so to be able to, to to drill down further, and then so there's there's 29, and I guess these are habitable planets that, that we're, we've kind of detected ourselves, but these 29 represent potentially really good candidates for that. Absolutely. So if you go down and say, okay, I don't just want to see where the Earth blocks out the sunlight so that I'm like, oh, there's a planet. But if you want to say, okay, but I also want to get some kind of a message that there is a technology civilization there, then you have to limit that distance where you're looking for the stars to about 100 years. Because 100 years ago, there was, uh, we started to use radio, and so that leaks out into space. So in 100 light years, the distance light can travel in 100 years, those stars wouldn't only see our Earth blocked the sunlight, but also get the radio. So, you know, you'd be like, ooh, there's a planet, and ooh, there's like a radio signal, good or bad. If they get this broadcast, of course, there will be no problem. But mm-hmm. when you do that, you end up with 75 stars. And then if you do one out of four, or it's like 117 stars if you go in the past and the future. And then if you do one out of four, there should be about 29 planets there. And we already know of seven, what's a really small number, But that part in the sky that can see us is not the part that we usually look because it's crowded. Lots of stars are there. So these are now really, really interesting targets that astronomers all over the world are looking for now because it's like if they can see us, if there's a day out there, maybe somebody was venturing out to actually send a message. Yeah, it's interesting, too. Regarding radio and television signals, as you mentioned, we can do the math. We, we know how fast light travels. We, we know when radio and television broadcasts began. But it, it's not as though we, we broadcast in all directions. When these signals are going out into space, are, are, are they going in a certain direction? So we have sent some messages that were directional, but generally because, you know, about 100 years ago, we weren't really thinking about messaging at all. So as long as radio is used all over the globe, as it generally was and still is, it's basically just happily like moving into space in a circular, like in a sphere, right? It's just going to go ever further outwards. And so with every year, we get a little bit further away with these radio waves. So no directed messages, but now the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, the SETI institutions, are really interested in this list too, to think about whether or not we should actually make broadcasts. And that, of course, is a decision that all of us have to make. Do we want to broadcast? Do we not? Do we want to say, hi, we're here? But having said that, about two billion years ago, life changed the atmosphere of our planet and put a lot of oxygen in it. So if anyone were to look, like we're trying to look for life in the universe and look for this oxygen with methane, they would know there's life, but they wouldn't know that there's life with radios. Right, exactly. Uh, So our ability to take this to the next level, you talked about this. So later this year, we're going to be launching the James Webb uh, Space Telescope. And talk a bit about how this is really going to enhance our ability to to do this kind of work and and to look for not just these planets, but those uh, crucial signs of life. 
So currently we have thousands of new worlds, brand new worlds around other stars that we found with, a mission, with telescopes from the ground, with missions from space like Kepler or the test mission that's going on right now. But what we didn't have is a telescope big enough to catch the light of these small worlds to figure out what's going on in the atmosphere. And Hubble is an amazing telescope, but it's just not big enough. And the comparison in a way is like you take the Earth, you put it 110 times next to each other, like on a pearl, pearl spring, and then you have the diameter of the sun. So planets like the Earth, like us, are tiny compared to their star. And so they're very dim. So we need big space telescopes to catch enough light of these dim planets when they go in front of the star and light from the star gets filtered through the atmosphere before it gets to my telescope to read that light fingerprint. And light and matter interact. So light is energy. So if you think about a molecule, how, you know, for example, H2O, right, you can hit it and then it's going to start to swing and rotate if you hit it with just the right energy. And so that light will not be in my telescope, will not reach my telescope anymore because it was used up in a way. It gets minutes, but it was used up in move, making the molecules move. And so like a passport stamp, the light that's missing when it gets to my telescope tells me what the chemical makeup of the air of another planet is, even if it's so far away. And with Hubble, we can do it for Jupiters, hot Jupiters, hot Neptunes, the big fluffy planets. Yeah. And with the James Webb Space Telescope, we will, for the first time ever, be able to do it for the small rocky worlds that are just at the right distance from their star. Very exciting. Uh, looking forward to more uh, findings from that. Dr. Carlton Egger, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate the insight on all of this. Thanks for having me. All the best. Uh, that is Dr. Lisa Kaltenegger, who is uh, Associate Professor, Director of the Carl Sagan Institute, the Department of Astronomy, Cornell University. So lead author of this study is mentioned, published in Nature, nature.com, if you're inclined, but there's been a lot of coverage of this. Understandably so. It's a really interesting way of looking at that question. What, what are the planets out there that we can spot? And then to flip that around, who would be in a good position to spot us if they had uh, our, our technology? You know, who knows? Maybe there are worlds out there that are well, well advanced than ours, and maybe there's worlds out there where it's um, not intelligent life. It's hard to know. Maybe there's nothing out there. <laughs> hard to know. But we're, we're getting a lot closer, I think, to not fully answer the question, but to get a clear understanding of what's out there. Because we've always assumed, right, that, okay, there's all these stars out there. There must be planets uh, around these stars. There must be planets in that, uh, that sweet spot, that Goldilocks zone. And we just kind of assumed that. But now we're in a position where, no, we can actually find these planets, detect these planets. Let's go a step further. What are the signs that we can spot that might suggest or imply that there's life there? So very exciting times in, in this field for sure.